Welcome back to the Cream City Club podcast. I am Spencer Michaelis, and I'm here again with Gunnar Amelunk, and this time I get to ask him once again, how are you doing today, Gunnar? I'm doing good. We got a nice Packers win, um, and it's exciting. So not that we're, we're here for that, but um, we're coming off a high now, so we should have a positive podcast, Spencer. Is that right? Hopefully. We'll <laughs> see where it takes us. Um, no, I... Uh, I also enjoyed the the Packer game. I enjoyed the Badgers beating Marquette. Sorry to any Marquette fans, but that's true. Did watch that as well. Yes, that was I I I had a lot of fun with that one. So, moving on to that or from that, we're not talking about the Badgers or Packers on this pod even though I could probably ramble about that too. Um if you are listening and you haven't yet subscribed, please take a moment to do that on whatever platform you're listening on and to rate us five stars if you feel that we deserve that. And also, please make sure to follow us on Twitter at the at the Cream City Pod to stay up to date on these episode releases. So today we're going to be focused on the Bucks' last three games and on the in-season tournament, which starts tonight, and the Bucks game will be against the Knicks. So we'll get into all of that. But first, let's go through that last three-game stretch we had. So kind of starting with the, the Heat game which was the last in-season tournament game, clinched the Bucks the one seed in their group and the one seed in the East. They, the Heat were without Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero. If you ask me, being without Tyler Hero doesn't hurt them. It helps them, but that's another subject, I think, for another time. Um, but they were out without Butler, so we didn't have to worry about that. I think the Bucks kind of, once again, were playing down to the talent level of the other team, but... They were able to pull it out with another really strong finish. So, Gunnar, you have any specific takeaways from that one you want to talk about? Yeah, I mean, the other one, too, as far as a note goes, is Pat got hurt in that game as well. So I don't want to forget about that when I'm talking about my spiel here. But, um, yeah, I mean, to start out with the game, it's we got what we wanted to start out with that one. We got a fast start, and even we're like, oh, this is exactly what we were asking for in those <laughs> previous three games, like the exact opposite. Um that unfortunately turned into us trailing going into the fourth. Um, and then you're kind of just like, here we go again, same old story. But weirdly enough, we have this strange confidence now in the fourth quarter where we've talked about it a hundred times. So I'm not going to break down why we're good in the fourth, but the heat now are not good at in the fourth quarter. So we kind of were feeling very confident going into that, but it's always the heat. They could have five janitors out there and you think you're going to lose that game. But we did uh, pull it together there at the end, and that was a credit to Giannis and Dame working very well together. Um, they really worked off each other a lot better in that game, which later on in these next couple of games, I'll be saying that again. I don't think they worked great together, but this one they definitely did. Um, Dame hit some big shots, and his playmaking was obviously a very big key to us winning that one in the fourth um, against his former team, the Miami Heat. Uh, if that's how it we want to do it. It's Maybe it was a revenge game. <laughs> a revenge game for Damian Lillard, maybe, but um, Giannis hit some big free throws at the end of that one too, which is pretty encouraging. And then we got Chris back, um, which that's what we were kind of on the limbo about if he'll be back or not. Um, so we did get him back, and man, to close that one out, uh, I think that was the game that Giannis said that he was looking for Chris at the end of yep. that one. He drew up those plays or whatever, or he pointed to some plays that we could use Chris in and. We used him. It was incredible. He looked, honestly, that was the best. Maybe this because it was high leverage to me, but that was 
one of the best Chris stretches we've had this season. It was just, it looked like 2021 Chris to me. It, maybe, like I said, because it was high leverage and he hit the shots, but um, just got to his spots and um, nailed them. And then uh, the one other note, because everyone needs my Andre Jackson uh, <laughs> update. Uh, he hit a couple big shots. He did get a lucky bounce uh, with the bank shot, but uh, it came on a big point too. Like I said, we were trailing going into that fourth. I think it came around that stretch. Yeah, so he was kind of he was kind of keeping us in it at that point, and then um, he just needs to stop like following and stuff. And I think he'll be fine. But his shot to me in the corners it reminds me so much of PJ Tucker when he shoots. Not like I don't think he could. I wouldn't be shocked if he shot like upper thirties in the corners by the, like the end of his career. Like, I think it's that much. Okay. Like it's, I just wouldn't be shocked. I think it's serviceable at this point, but um, I liked his energy too. And like I said, Pat got hurt. So we'll see what that means. We're going to talk about those games coming up. If that means more Andre Jackson minutes or Marjan minutes, but we know the answer to that. Um, but yeah, I mean, we won the game and we talked about it before too. It's we're going to uh, the, the playing tournament. So um it was nice to get the win too against the heat and without jimmy and of course without hero for whatever reason um it doesn't matter against the bucks but a win's a win and i guess i'll be positive and say <laughs> we got the win and uh i'm encouraged by it but what did you see did you see anything different or see the same stuff yeah i'd say it was pretty similar for me i mean for some reason no matter who's playing for the heat it feels good to beat the heat it just <laughs> They're a tough team, man. <laughs> they always keep games close, no matter the, who they have out on the court. Um, I did think Chris just, it was so fun watching him and Dame kind of play off of each other in that last four-minute stretch where Dame was doing a great job drawing defenders and they were using kind of the Giannis gravity to bring people away from those two and just let them go to work, which was cool to see. They haven't Chris hasn't been healthy enough and he hasn't really been in a great rhythm at the end of games or his minute restriction has popped up. So it was really good to just see those two working together to close a game, because if they can find the right balance, those are two of the better closers in the league. I mean, Dame's on a different level, but Chris was always a serviceable closer when he was the guy for that type of scenario. So um, it was really good just to see those two playing off each other and, yeah, the Andre Jackson bank three where he had his feet crossed. That was probably yeah. my favorite shot I've ever seen. His he was doing were... the Beasley celebration before the shot even went in. That's why he uh, <laughs> was looking like that. Yeah, his feet were literally crossed. <laughs> I've never seen somebody shoot a jump shot like that. That wasn't like an you know end of quarter or end of shot clock or something. Like, no, this was like 20 on the shot clock, fast break, and this dude just chucked it and it went, or, went in. But he did follow it up with a really nice looking corner three like you were talking about and. That was uh, that's really good to see. I think the shot is coming along. Obviously, we do know that now. He's got kind of a back thing going on, so he's been a little yeah. questionable the last couple of games. But we'll get into that in a minute. Yeah, I just felt good about winning that game. And once again, Brooke just kind of had some bigger. He's just always in the way on defense, and he's making shots when he's open. And just I I love Brooke Lopez. <laughs> <laughs> I think I texted you that multiple times. Nope, that might have been the Bulls game. But I I just love watching Brooke Lopez, one of my favorite career resurrections you could possibly have come up with. This is he's so fun to watch. But um, yeah, we'll we'll move on from that one and talk about the Bulls game, which was the first time the Bucks weren't able to just coast for forty minutes against a bad team and then just put it away. They thought they were going to for a few minutes there. It looked like, but. 
what did you see at the end of that one? And I mean, throughout really that they couldn't just end it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we'll talk about the end of that game for sure in a whole separate question I'll have, but yeah, I mean, the main concerns we had out, we got to a decent, decent start in that one and two again, where we kind of got a nice lead. And then just for whatever reason, we cannot build upon leads and it's just, we're letting teams back in the games. And like you said, letting them hang around and, Maybe it's the confidence that we have in the fourth is why we seem to want to do that. Cause like we can just take our foot off the gas and then we just know we're going to kill them in the end. But um, for me, the the headliners were the turnovers. I remember we finished up our last pod that our Brewers won during this game. So we we're kind of watching. Then we rewatched it, of course. But towards the end of that one, we were watching it fully um, live. And I pointed out that we had nine turnovers. They had like 14. And I'm like, this is definitely why we're in the game right now because it feels like we don't really deserve to be winning, but we're in it. And then all of a sudden that quarter and overtime, we have 12 turnovers in like a quarter and a couple minutes. So we went from like nine turnovers to 21. And that was definitely what flipped it. You can attribute that to Dame where he, I just credit him for his playmaking. And then all of a sudden, whether that was Javon Carter, our old friend, um, or Alex Caruso, I don't know really what it was, but his complete night and day for Damian Lillard in that game it was I think he had 17 points in the first half and then he went I think it was one point in the second half if I look yep. correctly on all of six shooting um and that's definitely not what we've been seeing from him this year so like I said you can credit that to Javon Carter I saw him in his ear a lot in the third quarter and I think it, it was almost more like he was I don't want to say like he's testing himself but it, it did seem like he he felt the pressure coming more this time and he was trying to kick it out to other guys like Malik Beasley, who's obviously been pretty great so far in offense. He got 15 shot or three-point attempts in this game, I'm pretty sure, too. So we were definitely looking for him on offense, but we got to find a better mix with that. And then this is where I want to lead into that final possession. I can ask you a question and toss it your way. So we had an opportunity there, and this is a big topic I know in the, the NBA world, but we had an opportunity there to foul with on that last shot um there's a couple of things i want to break down in this play uh but how about we just stick on that point first what is your opinion with that shot like what would you have done in that spot i would foul and i mean there's two things for me and adrian griffin did reference this but to me if the back is ever turned to the basket then that's when you foul for sure because there's no way they can argue they were shooting in that scenario um the other time I think you do is when they're starting to dribble and they take a couple dribbles and Caruso took a few dribbles going laterally about 35 feet away. To me, that is when you grab him, you smack at his arm while he's dribbling. Like you do something so that there's no way it can be a shooting foul, but I would foul and I would do it. I can't believe NBA teams don't do it more. I, I can't believe college teams don't do it more. I just can't believe people don't do it more. <laughs> I would do it a lot more often today's game. People can make threes from different angles with hands in their face on the run on the move and they can do it at a pretty high clip if they get fouled and they make the first and now they have to get a rebound and get it in and they have to do all this in a couple seconds i just think that's so much less likely than somebody making a fluke three-pointer um not even a fluke sometimes it's just a good look you're giving up instead of giving the foul so i i would foul every time in that scenario almost um i don't know if you've got a different take on it or not but no I mean I would have I my only other take was I know you probably believed Adrian when he said that like how does nobody on the floor 
I'm not saying they don't understand the situation, but you can tell him flared up. <laughs> like I, I, I understand what he's saying. He's totally right. But it seemed more like I'm not blaming the team is kind of his quote was like, I'm not going to blame the guys. This, this is on me, but I did tell them to do this, but also how did nobody know not to do it when that was the situation? That's why I was a little bit confused on that, but we'll take his word for it. And hopefully, hopefully we just had five brain farts out there or whatever. But, um, and then to mention the Andre Jackson thing, I think this is, he got hurt in this game. This is where he tweaked his back too. So in this situation, Look, I need a therapist for a lot of reasons. I do. I need a therapist to figure out why Brooke Lopez was on the floor when we're down or we're up three. We need perimeter defense, and we have Brooke Lopez. And then I think actually on that play, I rewatched it a couple times. It looked like Malika a little bit confused and like a switch maybe, and that's why kind of Brooke yep. got stuck in mud. But you're just putting Brooke in a horrible situation regardless. He does not – they're going to shoot a three if they're going to get the chance. Yep. Like, why is he out there? It makes no sense to me. And I get – like I said, that's why I brought up Andre because we were limited on guys who actually could play defense. But I just think, yeah, Brooke's amazing at defense. I understand that. But that's interior. That's not him being able to perimeter defend on a, on a last-second shot. And granted, Caruso's shot was lucky. I understand that. And it was a really good shot. You kind of live with it. And Brooke contested it pretty decently. But I just don't understand, again, with that personnel rotation stuff. What are you thinking? <laughs> I no. Maybe and maybe like that was part of him like wanting to foul and he was going to sub. I don't understand it. But um, I, I assume you agree. But uh, yep. maybe in the therapist part, you don't know if you agree. But uh, <laughs> um, no, I, but, yeah. I agree for sure. I That type of stuff is where. At least I can say in that type of scenario, I can get how a young rookie head coach can maybe miss that type of stuff. I get that personally more than somebody coming in with a scheme that makes no sense for the players he has. So like that type of stuff, I'm more willing to give him a pass the first oh, yeah. couple of times. Now, if we get into he's already seen this and he's probably acknowledged that, OK, that probably wasn't the right call. So if he keeps doing it, then he's not learning anything and that's a problem. But I do think that there's an element of just like this is an inexperienced dude who just didn't. I mean, it's on the whole coaching staff because other people can bring it to his attention and say, hey, we should be doing this here. There's no reason for Brooke to be in if we're doing this. And mm-hmm. it was missed by everyone. So I don't know. It's that type of stuff. Again, I'll. that was the type of stuff. Honestly, I came into the season thinking, OK, we're going to have to deal with weird subs. We're going to have to deal with a guy who maybe doesn't yeah. use the timeouts that he has the right way and stuff like that but i can get over that type of stuff it's more the fact like the fouling thing that's more of a okay that's an absolute most coaches are one way or the other he almost seemed to walk the line of like yeah i kind of do it sometimes and other times i don't it's like well you should probably have (laughs) something that you believe in here and and do that uh every time but yeah. I don't remember. So we talked about overtime here. I don't, maybe you remember who tweeted this, but I just had this stat down in overtime. Giannis and Dame ran zero pick and rolls yeah. in overtime. <laughs> and I don't remember who tweeted that. Maybe you do, like I said, but, and then I, I think JJ Reddick's pot, I listened to the last couple of days or today or whatever it was, but he pointed out that recently, ever since we did the, I think it was either within the last month or this entire year, the pick and roll finally has kind of come around now. It's like yeah. 1.1 points per possession. And that's great. We <laughs> let's use it when we're in like, what other situation Front are you saving it for? Yeah. And this is when I texted you. I'm like, why don't reporters just straight up ask him 
why you do not run pick and rolls. It's the most obvious thing. Every even the own organization has said, "Oh, this is going to be such a like we talked about in podcast. This is going to be such a great thing." And you don't run it. I don't understand. <laughs> like I yeah. just don't get it. And in that situation too, where that was a weird game too, where we points weren't coming super easy for us. Unlike all these other games where we're not worried about the offense whatsoever. Like even without that, we've been having a solid offense. So um, I just think in those situations, it needs to get down to like that simple for us where, yes, we can have this great offense, but when it gets down to the nitty gritty in the playoffs and like these tough situations and the Bulls have a pretty solid defense too, as far as like perimeter guys go. So I'll give them their credit. They definitely can. They weren't scrubs necessarily out there. So I just think those the pick and roll, high screens, um, dribble handoffs. I think you just need to go to that type of stuff in those situations when you have Damon Giannis and they can work off each other like that. But again, I just yeah. to me, this game was just terrible execution and down the stretch. I I felt like they kind of I know Bucks fans were arguing about this on Twitter. I felt like they kind of shut Dame out for a while in the third and it completely lost his rhythm that he had going into the half. And then I felt like he didn't want to mess up the rhythm of what was going on where we were actually making shots and Beasley was hitting shots and Brooke hit a few threes. And he almost got to this, like, like he was early in the season where he was like, all right, I don't want to mess stuff up. So I'm just going to pass. And then when you get into a, I'm going to pass mode, you're way more likely to turn it over because you're not making genuine decisions. You're just saying you're locked in on one thing. It's the same thing as saying, I'm going to go score every time you have to be able to just read or react and I feel like he fell into a trap of just kind of I got to distribute now because I'm just out of rhythm now I'm not making shots and these guys are so Mm -hmm. let's just not upset the status quo and to me that's something where Giannis can come up to him and be like hey we need you to go like take the ball I'm going to set a screen and we're going to go Griffin can call stuff like you said we can call a play or run a set that gets them in that two-man action it just felt like that game was the first time that they finally got hit back after kind of making their run when they were facing not a great team. Again, this this Bulls team didn't have DeRozan or Levine playing. This was this was a bad Bulls team. I mean, like you said, they had good yeah. defenders on the perimeter, but it was a bad team. It was not a very good Bulls team. They're not that good with DeRozan and Levine. <laughs> they're, they're really not good without them. Yeah. Um, so it was, I mean, that was probably the most annoying loss of the season so far. Like we've talked about a lot, it's been nice that they've been winning a lot of these games that they maybe didn't deserve to necessarily, but this was the first one that it felt like, okay, they deserve to lose, and they did lose, and they definitely shouldn't have put themselves in that spot. So mm-hmm. I I don't have anything else on that one. I don't know if you got something else you want to touch no. on. But... I'll just end on a more positive note. Like you said, I liked your point where if it just was this type of stuff, like at the end of games, and like it, it was more of like... I don't want to say X's and O's, but just stuff that you can like easily switch. And like, it's just more like you said, this first year coaching mistakes. I can live with a loss like this when we've been so good in the clutch and it's, we've gotten, I don't want to say lucky, but we've pulled a lot of these games out that maybe we shouldn't have. And this is one that we probably should have pulled out and we didn't pull out. So maybe it evens out at some point this year, but we saw in the Hawks game, I guess we turned it around, which we'll talk about next a little bit. So I guess on a positive note, <laughs> we turned it around slightly and uh yeah, I guess if you like you said you don't I'm talking about the this game, so we can slide over to the Hawks game. Um so that one was more of a shootout, uh, which is a little bit opposite of this Bulls game, like I said, where you're kind of dragging your feet through the mud and it's a little bit different of a game style than we're used to. 
Um, what I noticed in this one too is I always think about I listen to Zach Lowe's podcast a lot. And this one, the Hawks are a little bit like us in a way where they have so much offense and they just at some sometimes they just forget to play defense. We're like, we're just gonna score 140 points and try to beat you. Um and we said bet and we'll <laughs> we'll do that as well. Uh, but speaking back to Zach Lowe, I, he he had a great quote this year, and it was something like he did some research in the last 10 seasons. It actually favors you more to have a better offense and defense than like if you went to the 10 years prior to that. It actually you were your odds were better to win a championship if you had a better defense versus offense. Um, so this game kind of reminded me of that where it's like it was, it was, it was in a way a sigh of relief where it was like, OK, we are very good at offense. And even with the stupid stuff, like I say, where we don't run pick and rolls and stuff. And when I say stuff like that, it's more, I'll be repeating myself, but when I'm talking about those like end of bulls games, those playoff games where you need a point and it's just like your, your feet are dragging through mud. Like I said, it's, it's a lot different in these types of games where it's just threes are going up. Like it's very easy to get to your shots. Like, yeah, we'll be fine in those situations. I have no problem about that. Um, So maybe that's my, me worrying. <laughs> Um, because I've seen the dark days of Bucks playoffs um, these last few years, where I know what it gets down to, what it looks like. But yeah, I mean, like I said, this game was a little more con- encouraging because in the fourth we were pretty unstoppable there, and Adrian had a quote towards the end of it where he's they asked him like, "What was the difference? Like, how did you play like such great defense and um, such great offense?" It was literally polar opposites, and then he really didn't give an answer. He acted like he had an answer, but. And I kind of like this answer. Like he he didn't want to give anything away, so he didn't say much. But um, look, if they figured something out and they're gonna do that from now on, that's awesome. But um, yeah, I mean, did you have any different thoughts on that one? To me, it was just guys throwing up shots, <laughs> and whoever can make more did. And then whatever, like I said, that last five minutes, something changed because we played a lot of defense at the end. So that's just more clutch for us. Yeah. Well, I mean campaign had 18 so yeah people were scoring that's for sure um he he did give a huge boost honestly he was really important i think to them winning that game uh dame dame didn't shoot a ton but he was making shots he started really hot and it seemed like again he kind of felt like he was getting iced out for a little while and then he didn't get super aggressive until a little later in the game again but it's good to see i think he Three of six on threes, 10 of 16 from the field. So, I mean, you'll take those percentages all day. Uh, I, I'll I'll tell everybody. I was talking to my brother about Giannis's game, and I had not looked at the box score at all. And after the game, I, I felt like Giannis really hadn't played all that well, just for the standard that I kind of hold him to. And, and he goes, didn't he have a 32-point triple-double? I was like, what? <laughs> I was uh, I was not expecting that at all when I looked at the box score. It's kind of a reminder to myself not to take him for granted sometimes, but he did have five turnovers. That probably played a little bit of a role in me feeling like he wasn't playing that well. And he took one really annoying mid-range shot <laughs> at a pretty pivotal point at the time. Oh, yeah. That, yep. That was really annoying, and I think it really stuck in my head. But in general, I mean, he had, a, he had another really good game, four or five from the line. His free throws have been... I don't even know what the percentage is. I just feel a lot better about him at the line right now. They look a lot better. I think it, the shot he has currently at the line is going to hold up a lot better over the course of a year. And if he can be 70 or higher, I'll be thrilled at that point. And yeah, they just, like you said, they kind of turned it up on both ends at the end. And 
that's more what we've been seeing most of the year in clutch is that the offense and the defense have really stand. I mean, they've taken a leap up at that point in the game every time. So it was good to see him do it again. It's just, man, it'd be nice to watch us just play a full game and just put a team away and not have to worry about Giannis playing. And I will say Giannis has been talking about that a little bit lately. He's been saying a lot lately, honestly, is that this is putting a lot more wear and tear on all of their bodies than they're used to, because normally they've been able to put teams away and come out of games early and not have to worry about going as hard as you possibly can the last six minutes of a game every time. And I think he's been trying to hint to his teammates like, hey, how about we stop playing with our food and go get out to a good start, put them away, and then we can rest in the fourth quarter and we don't have to go out there and do all this. Or maybe we play a couple minutes just to stay in rhythm or whatever. But he's been talking about that a lot lately. And I think that's a pretty good sign that he's getting annoyed with how stuff is going. So hopefully that's going to be taken well by the team and we start seeing some changes, uh, especially in this in-season tournament quarterfinal we got coming up. Uh, I guess tonight when this podcast is released. So I don't know if you have anything else on the Hawks, but otherwise I think we can move no. to that. Okay. The mid ranger was a good call out though. I did forget about that. So now I'm, <laughs> I was on a positive mood and I just made me upset. So thank you for that. You're welcome. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> um, no. So six 30 on Tuesday, which will be tonight. Uh, if you're listening the day we release this, Bucks are at Pfizer Forum at home against the Knicks as the one seed in the East. And that game, if they win that game, they go to Vegas to play the winner of the Pacers and the Celtics. So I know the Bucks are pretty excited about going to Vegas. They keep talking about it. They they don't I don't know if they know that they have to win this game. They don't seem to be as they just keep talking about it like it's a foregone conclusion. And they sound excited about it for more than just getting to play a couple more basketball games over there. But um, we talked about the, the in-season tournament a little bit last time and how we feel about it. And I know both of us are at least somewhat pro. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to it. I hope it's a really competitive game. I think this is probably the time where it's going to get super competitive and people are going to start seeing like an actual goal at the end of the, at the end of the whole thing here where they have light at the end mm-hmm. of the tunnel, like, Hey, we're now only three wins away from getting this $500,000 prize, getting to go to Vegas and do whatever they're going to do in Vegas along with the basketball. So I'm hoping they come out and maybe this is the first game we start seeing that, you know, end-to-end hustle, full game, put it all on the line and see if we can't actually see a full 48 minutes of good basketball from the Bucks. So what what are your thoughts on this game or the in-season tournament stuff in general? So my first thought is we're going to get real sick of the New York Knicks by Christmas. We're going to have five games against these guys. In December? This... Yeah. Well, <laughs> in total, because we played them twice already. And now you got oh, yeah. this one. And then we got back-to-back before Christmas. Somehow. I don't know who made the schedule, <laughs> knowing that they're in our little division there, too. But, um, yeah, so we're going to get real familiar with them. And who knows, maybe it's a playoff team. And um, we played decently against them so far. And they got a little bit different style than they're more used to than we're used to Tom Thibodeau teams too. They shoot a lot more threes with our, I don't want to bring up Dante DiVincenzo, but uh, <laughs> maybe he's yes, a game do. changer, Spencer. Uh, <laughs> we won't. We did fight about Dante DiVincenzo trade for people who don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, if we, I think if we, is this like a, do we win? And then if we lose, are we out of the tournament technically, but you still got a game this week? Is that how it goes? Yeah, you have to, 
we would have one more game. Everybody so else get... is playing two games this week. So the oh, only way okay. you would play three is if we go to the championship. Otherwise, if we lose, we play one more game against another team. It might be the Celtics. I don't even know. Or whoever loses, I mean, the other game. I think that's what it is. Yeah, we play the loser then. The two losers play maybe. But okay. either way, I mean, Pacers-Celtics, two, two teams that we could very well see in the playoffs again, obviously. Yep. Um, so all these games, we talked about what it means this in-season tournament. But all these teams on both sides, I mean, those are all playoff teams. So it's pretty exciting. And they're going to get what they want. And I, I'm not ex- like you. I'm not super expecting we're going to go all out for it maybe, and maybe we won't. I think it's just going to be weird. Um, I'm excited to watch it, and um, I'm going to be rooting for like any other regular season game probably like I talked about last episode. But, um, yeah, I mean, we'll see how it is. I'm not really sure how I feel about it. <laughs> Like I said, I'm just not used to if we do win all these games, like when we hold the cup, I'm just going to be like, oh, all right, well <laughs> – <laughs> this is great like and i'll be happy for our guys like we talked about last episode and all that so i'll I'll probably have that more of that mindset where i'm just rooting for our players the the, the smaller guys who are the two-way guys that get money and stuff like that so i guess if i had that mindset um i'll be more excited but um how about you yeah i'm in the same boat i mean i guess i'll probably view it a little bit more excitedly than i would just any regular season game but it's still going to be a big step below a real playoff game. So it's not going to feel like I'm, I don't think yeah. I'm going to have butterflies at the end of the game. If it's close, like I will. In the a... next game, it looks like the next game's at four o'clock too. That's weird. 4 oh, PM yeah. is the start time. Sure. I enough. did hear that too, man. They're going to get so. me to take off of work. No, um, <laughs> they're really trying to make it like March madness too, which I guess is exciting, but yeah, um, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to view a four, one Knicks bucks, upset the same way that they might view a uh, <laughs> any of the uh, 16-1 upsets we've seen lately or anything but yeah true <laughs> they are they are definitely trying to make it i i'll say it again i think they did a pretty good job with it they did probably as well as they could do with it in terms of actually making it entertaining and meaningful so good for them i can't think i can't imagine this is going away anytime soon because it has worked out pretty well so we'll get used to it maybe someday it'll mean a lot more to everybody but I don't think it's going to this first year. It's just going to be some more games to watch. So that's really all I got on that one. I we we've seen the Knicks a lot. Everyone kind of knows what they're about. So I don't think we need to talk too much about them. Yeah, I saw that Andre Jackson is questionable too. So hopefully he's back, and that wasn't really that too concerning of an injury. We alluded to it in the Bulls game. So if we can yeah. get him back, that's great. Pat's obviously still out. I think we got a J update too. How. Um, he's just on track. I don't think anything new there, but um, definitely no setback. So, uh, yeah. So kind of along those lines with the wing depth and Jay and Andre Jackson, I guess we got to talk about Marjan a little bit more. And I know this was your question. I'm going to read it for you, but we've talked about this a little bit. Marjan and Tony Snell at the moment, we're kind of comparing them and seeing kind of similar players. And we did say this at one point. I told you that and you were like, yeah, I know. I've been seeing it too. So <laughs> I think the question is, is that good enough? And if not, what do we need to see from him to kind of change that perception in terms of like what he is as a player and what what we need, what, what do the Bucks need him to be moving forward? Mm-hmm. Well, I did say I need a therapist earlier in the podcast. So now you're starting to see why we're... <laughs> We're wasting our free time trying to compare Marjan Beauchamp to Tony Snell. 
Um, but people who don't understand that comparison, it's not the meme Tony Snow where you see zero points, zero minutes, or right. 20 minutes, zero points, zero rebounds, zero assists. We're talking more of when I think of Tony Snow, I think of the guy who just sort of blends in the offense. He doesn't really – he'll make his open shots. He'll shoot close to 40%, but not a high volume. Solid defense, not a guy where you're going to expect him to go one-on-one with somebody, but kind of like a Chris where he just like he blends in. He just He's really smart on defense. I wouldn't say Marshawn's super smart, but um, fully, but he's he's all right. And I, I guess for me, I expected more – out of Marjan this year. And another thing on Tony Snell is I remember so vividly these quotes coming out of how, oh, Tony Snell's cooking in practice and he's just tearing everybody up. And then like in the games, he barely shoots. And this is exactly what Marjan, like I expected Dame right when he got here, was saying how impressed he was by Marjan. And if he was like a recruiter or a scout, he would be looking at Marjan as a guy that that'd be who he would want to, whatever. What in his fantasy, that's who he'd want. Um, and to me, I guess my expectations for him were definitely just a little bit more, I guess I could say. My problem with him is he's not really, as of right now, he's just not a plus in anything he does. Like I, th- I thought coming into the year, because we needed more shot creation, and we don't necessarily need that now with Dame and Malik, but I was expecting more of a jump up with that. And we've gotten it a, a couple flashes in a few games. I was trying to think of the games exactly, but where he's creating his own shots, he's actually looking confident. He's doing just more little things to help him out to score rather than just, like I said, blending in the offense, kind of runs to the corner, doesn't really look for the ball. Um, not super smart. Like, I guess the Tony Snell was not like Tony Snell or whatever, but um, we're Tony Snell fans here. So it's not a rip at all. But um, I guess for me, that's I, I don't want to keep rambling, but that's just what I'm more disappointed with him. In. And I think that could turn around. And I think, um, Frank Madden had a good tweet where he's actually played. I think this is a little bit skewed because he's had injuries and things like that, but he's played the same amount of minutes he did in that first month last season. And then last year, Bud kind of threw him off a cliff and then you didn't see him for four months. And then, um, so this is in a way sort of his rookie ish year, if you can kind of, it's not really fair, but as far as games played, I guess, and he's probably played a good amount of games last year, even, but we got to remember how young he is too. And, it's a little bit different because I compare him to guys like my obsession with Andre Jackson. Like he's this high IQ player who he's got a definite plus on like his record. Like he's a really good on ball defender. He brings energy. Like he knows what he's doing out there. And like, that's like his one job and he's hitting these extra threes, which we're excited about with Marjan. I just don't want to see him blending with the group. Um, And maybe it's okay in this roster. It's just, I think more of like, People know I got anxiety now when I'm thinking of box playoffs and the future all the time. I'm just more worried about what does Marjan look like in, I guess, a couple of years. So for me right now, I guess it's fine. But with all these injuries, too, that we've talked about, does he need to step up a little bit more? I guess is a question that I'll toss back to you. Yeah, I well, you know, in preseason, I did text you and I was like, I just I don't see it with him. I just don't. And he showed a few flashes, like you said, and me being hopeful, I kind of started buying back in, but I don't know, man. I just, I want to see it. And that's what concerns me more is that I want to see Marjan be good. And the fact that I just, I don't, I, and again, if he is Tony Snell, that's not a bad player. The only Mm -hmm. issue is the bucks have these limited number of draft picks and first round picks. And if that's the type of guy, like you, you would love to see them hit on one of those 
and actually get somebody that you could help build that next, the next Giannis era kind of where you have Chris kind of fading out and Brooke. And I think Dame probably sticks around pretty long just with his game and everything, but you want somebody who can kind of step into that type of role comfortably and help be a starter and be like a legitimate threat on the court. And right now it just doesn't seem like he's going to be. And I don't know if it would surprise you to hear that he is 23. He's, he's older than Andre Jackson, who was considered an older college player coming out of the draft. Like, yes, he's kind of underdeveloped for his age in terms of strength and in terms of like the amount of basketball he had played because he had that time off from basketball and he thought about quitting and I feel bad for him. I think he's a really low self-esteem person. And I think anytime something goes wrong, he really, really struggles to get past it. And that's tough as a basketball player to be with that little confidence. Like, I think he's a better player than he thinks he's capable of being. And I honestly wonder, you touched on Dame and Giannis both touch, like talking him up in the offseason. I genuinely wonder if they were just trying to give the guy a big vote of confidence and trying to give him this type of like pep talk in the public crowd and the public media where he, they're like, okay, the biggest stars on this team, believe in me. Like maybe I'm, maybe I am a better player than I think I am, but I just have not been able to see it. And like you said, I like Tony Snell. I actually think Tony Snell probably has better handles than Marjan does at the moment. Um, I just don't think I, I, I do wonder how much of it is confidence. I wonder if you could somehow get him to just play with, you see it in spurts, right? Where he makes a couple shots and all of a sudden mm-hmm. he looks pretty good. But if he misses those first couple shots, I, I'm almost out on him for that game because he just seems like he can't he can't function without having that immediate confidence when he steps into the mm-hmm. game. So that's to me, it just seems like somebody who is really low self-esteem and that's that sucks for him. I feel really bad for him. But in a game like the NBA with these great players and the amount of talent on the court, like all these guys think like they're killers and they think they're great. And we know how many role players could go out and just kill casual fans. And they think they're unbelievable players. And some of them think they're too good and they go out and shoot all the time and they shouldn't. So there's a balance there, but I just, I would love to see him somehow gain some sort of, some sort of confidence. And I truly wonder if that's why he got talked up as much as he did in preseason, because guys were just hoping to help him feed into not even feed his ego, give him a little bit of an ego. I don't know Mm. what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, no, you nailed it with that part. Um, And that's always tough to read into people's minds and stuff. But as far as what we've seen in body language, right. That's just, you can see it on his, like literally his body language. And the point I have after what, off of what you're saying is it's gotta be a weird mix to being on such a good team we see teams like the Warriors try to do this where you're trying to bridge almost two eras where you're trying to, you can see that the they can still win a title this year. And I wouldn't be shocked. That's just the Warriors, but they can see the sort of the end of the, the end of the, I don't know. It's not, not the light at the end of the tunnel. Cause it's the opposite of that, but they can see it running out for them. Yeah. Their lights dimming and they're trying to bridge that gap or they try to bridge that gap gap with young guys and say oh we can just throw them in in the mix right away and we can be so competitive and then they'll be ready to go when it's time didn't work out for them so it's tough when you got these young guys with this group that's ready to win a championship right now it's hard to tell marjan i would tell him this this would be my advice to adrian griffin and all of them it's just cut the leash let him go let him that if that's going to be his role we'll find out if it's his role or not just cut the leash let's see what he's got 
rather than playing the safe sort of game with him because you're not going to get much out of him doing it that way. But like I said, it, it is a tough line to sort of walk when you're trying to win right now, but also see what you got and what if he's not worth it. I think we got enough depth, so I don't think it's going to kill us if all of a sudden we do try to cut the leash and he's shooting 30% and he can't get a right. shot. I don't know, stuff like that. But I don't think that would happen with him, but I would just like to see that going forward is let's just see what we got with him. I, I don't want to play this safe game. We got enough guys to where, like I said, if even if he's not ready this year, it sucks. Like you said, he's 23, so it's harder to not to put a number on him like his time's running out. But like we still got a couple of years where he could still progress. But we just need to see what he has is my point. We haven't seen what he's got, and I just want to see it. No, I think that's a good point. I do think developing young players on a good team is a lot harder than saying, okay, I'm the Detroit Pistons and I can give you 40 minutes and not feel bad about it at all because whatever your struggles you go through, like whatever, doesn't matter. We're not trying to win games. I will say as a philosophy, I would rather see the Bucs lose a couple games because Marjan and Ajax got too many minutes and played a little worse and maybe cost them a game or two. And I can live with those types of losses in the regular season. When people say like, oh, it's just the regular season. It's okay to lose games. Like I agree with that, but I think, when you're doing that, it's got to be in some sort of like, there has to be an actual plan or a reason why losing that game actually might help you going forward. You can't just lose games and say, well, it doesn't matter. Like, what are you going to learn from it? And if you're getting young players in the game all the time, you're getting a minutes, you're going to learn a lot from that type of experience. So I think that's a really good point. I think I agree with you that he probably deserves to just get that leash, get a little bit longer time out there at times. Like you pointed out, I mean, he technically played more under Bud last year in November than he did under Griffin, which is, that was pretty shocking to me. <laughs> um, but he was hurt. And last year, the Bucks had a lot more injuries early on. So he was getting time because of that. Mm-hmm. But it still, I guess my like- point with that too is he maybe we'll see more of a progression this year rather than right. he starts off like he's playing more minutes and he's just going to fall off a cliff. Maybe we'll see more of that progression. But yeah. Who knows? Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. I I do think that was a it's a good question because he's he is a he's a good athlete, although I wish the dude could jump off of one foot. It's excruciating to watch him try to finish off of anything but two feet. And then when he has to go off two feet, everyone catches up to him and he gets swatted from behind all the time. Speaking so, of Dante DiVincenzo, he couldn't Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's he brings a lot of the bad qualities of Dante to the finishing game. So yeah, the vertical leader. Yeah. Dante DiVincenzo. <laughs> yep, <laughs> Except we never saw it. He could really dunk in games, but somehow <laughs> he had this huge vertical. Yeah. Well, him and Pat right now. Pat's not much of a dunker these days yeah. anyway. But yeah, it's I, I we do need to see more from him. This is not good enough mm-hmm. for where he was picked and the amount of kind of stock that goes into when the Bucks make a draft pick, they need to hit on him because otherwise they're better off trading those picks and just continuing to try and keep the the window open as long as possible by adding solid vets and stuff instead of taking guys that just don't end up extending that window anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, I mean, that's the main thoughts on it for me. We did have a question from Twitter. Steven Anderson asked us, if prior to the season I would have told you the following after the Bucks' first 20 games, how would you feel these numbers are per cleaning the get the glass? He said, 
So they're obviously 14 and six record. They're 12th in net rating. They're sixth on offensive rating and 21st on defensive rating. If you take only the last two weeks, they're five and two, fifth in net, sixth in offense, and 16th in defense. He says, in his opinion, there would be little to no complaints. So why are there so many right now? So I don't know if I'd agree that there's little to no complaints. That wouldn't like, I guess, yeah. I mean, if you're on paper, just looking at that and not watching a single game, and I just saw those stats, you would still have question marks like, hey, why did we fall off a cliff on defense? I'm not sure that was like 20th isn't anything to break about. 16th, even in our hot run-ish right now, it's not really a hot run, but um, that's still not anything to break about either. Um, and six on offense, I mean, this was supposed to be sold as like a top three offense in the league. I mean, that wouldn't even be perfect for me either. Um, but yeah, I mean, on paper, it's definitely less concerning. I think why there's so many questions. Uh, I watch the games. <laughs> so I, I know that three of the four quarters don't usually go great for us. Um, and I just think we need to, it's okay to question games sometimes. Like I, I think people, like if you're questioning, we had this discussion about Adrian Griffin. It doesn't mean we hate Adrian Griffin. We want him to succeed. We, we're literally, we're dying to win a championship. We all want to win a championship. It's not like we're rooting for him to suck and then we suck. And then we're just so happy that we're sucking. We get to complain on a podcast forever. I, I told this to Spencer today. It's honestly more enjoyable talking about the Brewers right now in a, in a weird way because it's they have like this upward momentum right now and it's exciting and it's positive and it's it's like yeah we're winning games but for me it's like I'm watching these games and it's I don't know how you can watch these games and like these people who are like very positive on it which is awesome if you're positive that's awesome for you like I wish I had that ability. How are you not sweating during these games? I, like you're down 26 to the trailblazers and you're just sitting there. Oh yeah, we got it going. We're going to come back. Don't worry. Like that's awesome perspective to have, but like there are clear questions with this team and that's, I think that's okay to ask them and we have to be okay with people asking those questions. It doesn't mean that we hate the team. It doesn't mean that we hate the players. We question Giannis all the time. We love Giannis. Giannis is our favorite player of all time. That will never change. We question Giannis on decisions that he makes on his turnovers or something, or why did he shoot a mid-range or stop shooting threes? But we love him, and he's our best player, and he will be forever. So um, I just think we need to get more comfortable with people having questions as to why we're not doing as great as we should be doing right now. But I guess, I don't know, I'll toss it to you on that. I'm getting heated on this podcast. I'm sorry. (laughs) I... I agree with what you're saying. I think the big thing is, yes, the the end result, and especially the if you just told me 14 and six before the season, yeah, I'd be like, all right, that's more than fine with a new head coach. I would have no issue with us starting 14 and six in the first 20. But like Gunnar said, we are watching these games. We are seeing a lot of things that are just, they don't make sense. And that's what's concerning to me. And it will continue to be is mistakes that make sense or that you can see the, the train of thought behind him. Like, I get that. I can understand why some of these things happen, but a lot of the stuff is more like, okay, but that was never going to work. So why would we even try that? Like, what was the point of giving that a shot? What is the point of Bobby guarding Kyle Kuzma 35 feet from the brim? What is the point of Malik Beasley being our go-to stopper when you have some younger wings who can actually slide their feet and might be able to actually keep a guy in front? Like, and that's not, Malik Beasley's fault he can't do it (laughs) look it's not his fault and he's working hard and I will continue to praise Mike Beasley has been did I say Michael Malik Beasley yeah (laughs) Malik Beasley 
Michael Beasley couldn't guard anybody, so that is also true. But Malik Beasley, he's took been, his hand. Great guy. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> he is. He's been fantastic on offense, and honestly, I didn't even think he would fit that well offensively in the starting lineup, and he has. So I was 100% wrong on that. Yeah, and good point. Griffin deserves credit for sticking with that and for continuing to keep him in there on the offensive end, but continuing to put him in lineups where you have Dame, Payne, and Beasley out there together and stuff like that, like none of them are going to be able to guard good offensive yeah. guards. I mean, look at that Bulls game. If Caruso Shaq don't, doesn't go in, yeah, on paper we won the game, but then you're looking on the floor, why is campaign and Brooke Lopez out there to end the game? Like we can question that and we could be happy that we won, but like right. it's so easy just to look at the record and say, oh, we don't have to worry about it. We won the game. What are you guys complaining about? But now that we lost the game, it's like easier to question it, I guess. I don't know. That's why I'm confused. Like it doesn't change the fact that we just watched what we always watched. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, the end result changes, but we can still question what we just saw. Yeah. And I feel like I'm seeing a lot of people who, Eventually, Bucks fans can't just say, well, it's only been blank number of games. Like, I got it. It's been three games. It's been six games. It's been 11 games. It's only been 19 games. Like, when does that end? At some point, it can't just be like, well, we're still trying to just guess and figure stuff out. Like, you do have to come up with something where, all right, now we're finding our identity. And you can make the argument it's getting better. And I do think it is getting better. And since Brooke went to drop, it's got it's gotten better. But 16th in defense with Brooke and Giannis anchoring your defense is not good enough. Those two on their own should be able to give you a top 10-ish defense, probably minimally, just by playing it smartly and pushing pushing drives to those two at the rim or keeping the ball. Just you, There's no reason that they should be below halfway. <laughs> they should be in the bottom half of the league defensively. It's just... It shouldn't be the case. And point of attack defense is important, but it's not as important as interior defense. And they have the interior defense. So I'm glad, like Gunnar said, I kind of feel the opposite. Like as a Brewer fan, I feel like I'm usually pretty much in this type of mindset where I'm like, listen, it happens. Like they lose games. Do I think baseball is different than basketball too? Yes, 100% I do. And I think that's part of it is that baseball anybody can win on any given night and we know that's technically true in the nba but for the most part you lose games in the nba to bad teams more than they beat you i think in baseball sometimes bad teams just beat you so that's where i see the difference in the two but it's good that people are trying to give them a shot and they want to give them a shot and i want to give them a shot too and i want to give all of this a shot because i think this team is good enough to win a championship but you i just think like gunner said it's it's fair to question stuff it's not it's not us saying we need to fire Griffin. I know that's technically been a talking point from some of Buck's Twitter. I don't think we're <laughs> most people are not at that point, but it's okay to say, all right, why are we doing this? And it's okay for me to be like, Giannis, why are you driving into traffic there when you had a guy you could have kicked it out to two dribbles earlier? I do the same thing for him, like Gunnar said. We'll say the same thing about Dame. Why aren't you looking to score right now? Why are you trying to just distribute? Like we do it for everybody. It's and most Bucks fans do the same thing. It's it's okay to question what's going on without saying absolutely like this won't work. He's not gonna work. We need to fire Griffin. We mm-hmm. need to trade Dame. We should have never traded Drew. All this stuff. Like I don't think most people are going that far. And I think more than complaining, I see questioning. And that's 
fine. I think questioning is mm-hmm. fine and complaining is also fine, but questioning is definitely, definitely fine. So yeah, we both kind of rambled and ranted on that one, I think. But <laughs> well, I saw I spoke about Zach Lowe too to finish on this point. He had a I think a, a podcast it was, and he they he picked like the Sixers duo over our duo. So that's uh Maxi and MB. This was like a week ago, so it was Maxi Embiid over Dame and Giannis, and people just saw that title and like instantly started like crapping on the guy and like, oh, he hates the Bucks. He picks us to win the championship every single year. <laughs> He's just questioning he, like the same stuff that we've been talking about in this podcast all year long. He, that's basically what he said. Um, not to say that we're right. We probably differ in a lot of things too, but um, it's just it, it's okay to question stuff. And that's not to say that he even said in that same exact podcast. He said. And the Bucks will probably win 20 in a row now and they're going to win the championship. And I wouldn't be shocked because that's, yeah, we got that good of a team. So I just think, like you said, and what I said earlier, it's just we have to be okay with people questioning what's going on. Doesn't mean everybody hates everybody. Doesn't mean we're rooting for the, against the Bucks. It's just we're questioning it. And that's all it is. People did it to Bud his whole time here. Yeah. Other than when that first season when we weren't losing ever and we were winning by, having like the best point differential in NBA history for a good stretch of the season. Like, yeah, what were people going to question at that point? This is not going that same way. So I get it. It's, it is annoying in some cases. I think some people are taking it too far, but generally I think, yeah, it's been pretty fair for most people. And Mm -hmm. I'm, yeah, I, for the most part, I think Bucks fans are being pretty reasonable about it in general. So that's where we are. Uh, Gunnar, I know you have something you'd like us to end the show with. You want to introduce that? <laughs> so I, I thought of a fun way to end the show. We're trying to think of a way to close it out where it's kind of our signature tag. And if somebody else has this idea out there in a podcast, do not sue us. Please contact us on our Twitter and DM us. And we'll gladly take this down and remove it from our segment. But uh, I wanted to introduce a new thing here. And We'll try to make it more for, like, if this is a Bucks podcast, we'll do it for this. And if it's a Brewers podcast, we'll do it for that. And you'll know what I'm talking about here in a second. Um, we want to close it out, and we want to pay homage to our, our fallen soldiers, if you may want to put it that way. And it's we, we want to name just a random – doesn't have to be good, doesn't have to be bad, just a random player that we think of when we think about the Bucks or Brewers. Um, so this one being a Bucks episode – I want to shout out Yuri Welsh um, for people who don't remember Yuri Welsh. This was purple Jersey bucks. I believe it was around 05, 06. Um, he, around that time, he was a white guy with a wearing number 44. So if you squinted your eyes, you're probably questioning, is that Keith Van Horn? And it was not <laughs> Keith Van Horn. It was Yuri Welsh and man, do we miss him? And we, we miss you and we love you, Yuri Welsh. And uh, yeah, so Spencer, who do you got? Yeah, I uh, I went a few years later than you, but I went with the Brock Ness monster. I went with John Brockman, uh, holder of some of the best Bucks trick shots on YouTube you will ever find. You can still find them. I was going to say, they're still up. Yeah, oh, they're on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, they're on okay. YouTube. Yeah, this please watch This guy was a top 20 recruit in his recruiting class. He was a first round pick. He only lasted... Three seasons in the NBA, but he left us with some wonderful memories. Uh, I don't remember him playing much at all, but I remember the tricks out. Yeah, videos. So. he got minutes. I mean, he played a little bit. He averaged like two a game or something, but he seemed like a fun dude. Seemed like a guy I probably would have enjoyed being around, but 
yeah as a basketball player you know you you take it or leave it but he was a fun guy the trick shot videos are actually pretty fun and cool it's it's in the bradley center you can see the old bradley center he goes on the catwalk for one of them which is fun so um he he was one of the guys i always think about from that era just like if i'm gonna think of a random name like the Brock Ness monsters come into mind every time for me, for some reason. So um, it makes sense. Yeah. That's, that's who we got. So let us know who you think it's not really a competition, but whoever you liked more, Yuri Welsh or Donna Brockman, please let us know in the comments. Um, and if you got your own player, you want to shout out let us know in the comments as well, where, like I said, we'll keep this up with whatever podcast we're doing it on. Um, we'll maybe have a name for it at one point or something, or we'll just end the show with a random name. I don't know how we're going to do it, but um, just a fun little thing to end it on. Yeah. And with that, please like and subscribe on whatever platform you are listening on right now. And remember to give us a follow again on Twitter at the cream city pod. And please feel free to leave feedback for us on how we can get better. We plan to do a brewers one kind of at the end of this week, at the end of the winter meetings that are finishing up. If some sort of huge news breaks bigger than Joe Ross or the Wade Miley news we already knew was coming, uh, we might do an emergency type of podcast for the Brewers. But for now, we're planning Thursday or Friday, probably. And yeah, we'll wrap up what happened at the winter meetings. And that's where we'll be at. So thank you for listening. And we will see you next time. Go Bucks.